0: This is a podcast from Tbilisi International Christian Fellowship, a gathering of many nations who are one in Christ. This sermon is from our series on the first letter of John, called Life in God's Love. Today's scripture passage comes from 1 John chapter 5. Verses 6 through 12. And Jesus Christ was revealed as God's Son by His baptism in water and by shedding His blood on the cross, not by water only, but by water and blood. And the Spirit, who is truth, confirms it with His testimony. So we have these three witnesses, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and all three agree. Since we believe human testimony, surely we can believe the greater testimony that comes from God, and God has testified about his Son. All who believe in the Son of God know in their hearts that this testimony is true. Those who do not believe this are actually calling God a liar, because they do not believe what God has testified about his Son. And this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have God's Son does not have life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father God, we ask your Spirit's presence in this place. We call upon you to open hearts and open ears, to uh, use my words as an instrument of your kingdom, and may we uh, just come before your throne and listen to your heart today. your name we pray, amen, amen. You may be seated. We do have kids programming. If you're a child of varying ages, we have uh, for the young ones downstairs, a nursery, and for readers, we have classes over here in this hallway. It's really great to be back with you guys. Um, it's been a long summer. My son said, Hey, you haven't preached in three months. And I laughed and I said, You're forgetting the 70 times that I spoke in the States this summer. <laughs> he said, Oh, yeah, yeah. But uh, it's great to be back with you guys. Um, this is uh, a joy for me to come before you. There's some new faces. Some faces I still recognize, and uh, it's good to just be in the presence of God with, uh, with this group of believers. And uh, so I, um, I, I took a little spiritual retreat this weekend, Friday night, Saturday night, went to pray, and get together with God, and kind of pray about this next phase in our family's lives and what He has in store for us, what His desires are for our ministry. And I got this little Airbnb over in Old Town behind the baths, and and it had a little writing table and a window that opened up into the courtyard. And so I sat, and I prayed, and I wrote, and I thought, and I prayed, and, and then I fell asleep on the bed with the last thoughts in my mind being, Lord, speak to me. Let me know your will for our family. I woke up very early, and my eyes were itching, and I was sneezing. And I looked around me and there were three cats laying on the bed, <laughs> and I'm very much allergic to cats. And that kind of derailed any spiritual morning awakening and realization. But I just wanted to say that, to say if any of you have um, domesticated animal-specific prophecy gifts, um, you can come talk to me after the service, maybe you can help. Interpret what God's trying to tell me, but uh, yesterday was hard, and I'm trying to get back uh, back into things. But if I lose my voice, then we'll just uh, we'll just stop there. How about that? Um, when now I've got people praying that I lose my voice, and <laughs> you can go home, right? Uh, when Bart asked me to preach this morning uh, or this afternoon, I uh, I said gladly. I was really excited about it, and in the back of my head, I was thinking, surely they finished this uh, sermon series on First John that we started in January-ish. And uh, if you haven't been with us in that period of time, it was a series that there were five of us at the beginning that were each taking a short passage in this book. Every three weeks we were preaching through it. It's a lot about um, treating each other with the love that God loves us with. And uh, as we went along, several of the, the people who were speaking left the country and I ended up speaking three times on how to love people better, which I'm sure was a message from God as well. But uh, at, at the end, I was thinking, I have, I've said everything I know to say about how to love people better. I, I just, it's, there's nothing left for me to do. And so when Bart asked me to preach and said, hey, we're still doing the John series, I was like, oh my, I don't know what I'm going to do. Until he gave me the passage and I realized that it, uh, it wasn't on that topic specifically. See, John has shifted gears here. Um, maybe we should just recap for those of you that haven't been with us or um, that have forgotten since it's been so long. This book is written by um, the, the, the Apostle John, the writer of the, the Gospel of John, the writer of uh, Revelation, and, uh, and a pastor and a church planter, and, and he has written this letter to his church that has come under attack by what he terms the Antichrists, um, the false teachers, who have taken the gospel message and, and changed it just enough to take away the truth that John um, and, and his fellow disciples witnessed in the life and teachings of Jesus. And so a lot of his, um, his letter is written uh, refuting these false teachers and trying to bring back unification among the members of the church bring back that idea of, of holy love among the brotherhood, among the, 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 the congregation of this church. And, uh, and he's, a very, he's a very cyclical writer. Um, he writes in a very kind of Asian way in that he never really just says directly what he wants to say. He just circles around it until you get it. That works well for me because I don't always get things when, even when they're told to me directly. So I've really enjoyed this. But when I sat down to look at this passage that I just read, um, I, I thought, well, it's kind of interesting. There's some, there's some interesting things in it with the water and the blood and the spirit and God testifying and all the testimonies and all of this stuff. But I needed to do some research. So I sat down with, uh, with the commentary. The first commentary I opened up said this. This is one of the most perplexing passages, not only in 1 John, but in all of the New Testament. That's not a real good way to start off your study prep for a sermon. I'll tell you that right now. I thought, well, maybe this guy is just, you know coming out of, out, of, out of one area, and, and he's, he's focused on just, you know, trying to get this understanding. And so, I'll check some others, and I said, check some others, and pretty much all of them came to the conclusion that this passage is kind of weird. It's, it's kind of different and hard to fully grasp what John is talking about, but mainly because of this water and blood concept. And some of the biblical translations do a little bit better job. I chose the New Living because it really does break down what we believe John is saying. But, but truth be told, John is talking about the water and the blood in ways that, that you know, we're, we're assuming mean the baptism and the death on the cross, okay? But there's some terminology in the original Greek and some stuff that was put in there after the original manuscript. It's just kind of a confusing passage, and so, really, what I wanted to do is just read through it and read through it and read through it and kind of get the idea of what John is looking to communicate, as opposed to getting into all the details of all the uh, terminology. Um, so, so, John is, is, is in this kind of battle with these, these false teachers. Uh, they, have, they have really embraced the idea of baptism and the Holy Spirit in Jesus' ministry. They believe in, in Christ coming through the water, through baptism, because that is the point at which we, we see the Holy Spirit descend and God speaking about His Son and about... But the Holy Spirit is what their real focus was on. And, and they didn't really believe that Jesus was God incarnate. And so, the dying on the cross, the resurrection, all of that stuff... It doesn't really fit into the false teacher's ideas of what it has to do. So, John really starts out here in talking about the things that, that we agree on, this, this water and baptism. Um, he begins by highlighting the common ground between himself and the false teachers regarding Jesus coming by water, understanding that this shared belief is, is very important in order to grasp John's intended message. One interpretation points to Jesus' baptism by John, by John the Baptist, an event marked by water immersion and the descent of the Holy Spirit. This significant moment marks the beginning of Jesus' ministry on earth as the Spirit empowered him for the task ahead. It signifies Jesus' role as baptizer, whose ministry extends beyond water baptism to that of the Spirit While John acknowledges the agreement on Jesus' coming by water, he emphasizes that Jesus' coming encompasses both water and blood. Here, John draws a clear distinction between his understanding and that of those antichrists, those false teachers. He asserts that Jesus' ministry and identity go beyond baptism alone, and the phrase by water and blood carries profound implications for our faith. Another interpretation suggests that coming by water refers to Jesus' ministry of water baptism, symbolizing purification and preparation. Although Jesus entrusted the actual baptizing to His disciples, He inaugurated a new era where baptism signified the reception of the Holy Spirit. This understanding aligns with John's emphasis on the Spirit's witness in the Gospel of John. He reaffirms the role of baptism as a significant aspect of Jesus' ministry, and this interpretation also fits better with the connection that John makes to blood. Now, here's where that connection with the false teacher's teaching ends. In contrast to the teacher's limited view, John asserts that coming by blood is talking about his death on the cross, that Jesus willingly laid down his life, acting as the active party, not merely as a passive victim. And the mention of blood invokes the powerful imagery of atonement as demonstrated in 1 John 1:7. Jesus' death becomes the ultimate act of love and redemption, cleansing humanity from sin and reconciling us with God. To affirm the truth of Jesus' coming by water and by blood, he invokes the testimony of the spirit. The Spirit that's described here as the Spirit of truth. It stands as a witness to the reality and significance of Jesus' ministry. Just as the Spirit testifies about Jesus against the world in the Gospel of John, here in 1 John, the Spirit testifies to believers concerning the truth that they received from the beginning. The Spirit's testimony serves as a guarantee of truthfulness, and it solidifies our assurance in Jesus as the son of God. John is in, in, he's establishing the importance of multiple witnesses. This was very important in, in any, any law case at the time and today that you establish witnesses from three different areas that will all corroborate the, the story, the situation. And um, this was a practice that was both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Significant matters were decided with the testimony of two or three witnesses. In the context of this passage, John cites these three witnesses, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. (coughs) The role of the Spirit as a witness is reasonably clear. The Spirit confirms to believers the truth of the message about Jesus that they heard from the beginning. However, understanding how the water and the blood constitute a second and third witness, that's a little more challenging. Normally, witness is given to a person, someone who can speak and identify what the story is. However, in the Gospel of John, when people are reluctant to accept Jesus' testimony, what did he do? He would point to his, um, his works, his healing, his forgiveness of sins the things that he was able to do, and they would bear a silent witness to the truth about him. So it is possible that John, suggesting alongside the Spirit's witness regarding Jesus, there exists a silent witness of Jesus' work as the baptizer and the one who made that atoning sacrifice, the witness of the water and the blood. John also emphasizes that The three witnesses, the spirit, the water, and the blood, well, they agree with one another. In legal proceedings, that's important, right? You don't want to bring two witnesses that agree and a third one that says, eh, I'm not real sure, right? They need to, all three, agree. By demonstrating this concurrence of these three witnesses, John constructs his case. The Antichrist, who denied that Jesus came by water and blood, solely focused on him coming by water, possibly associating it with their experience of the Spirit. In contrast, John asserts that Jesus came both by water and blood, and the Spirit also testifies to this truth. It's through the convergence of these three witnesses that the truth of Jesus is revealed. But when we get down to verse 10, the passage is pretty major as it reveals a profound truth that holds great significance for our faith journey today. He tells us that anyone who believes in the Son of God accepts this testimony that God has given. This testimony is not just an external proclamation. It becomes something living inside of us, something internalized. Believing in Jesus as the Son of God is not simply an intellectual exercise. It's a deeply personal and transformative experience. And when we put our faith in Jesus... We embrace that testimony, we take it into our hearts, and it becomes a part of who we are, shaping our perspectives, shaping our worldview, radically transforming our lives. It's not only the answer to the questions, how can I be saved, but it takes us right back to what we read earlier, it radically transforms our hearts to be able to love one another deeper and how to love those that are hard to love. It gives us the key not just to eternal life with Christ, but an engaging love with those around us here on earth. About 12 years ago, we were living in Kansas City for a short time. Uh, my wife was completing her master's in public health. I was teaching part-time while we took some time away from overseas ministry. And often I would wait for her to finish class by sitting at a local coffee shop down by the medical school. It was a really cool, like, trendy place down in the in, 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 inner part of Kansas City. And each afternoon, um, I would watch this, this guy come through the door. He'd order the same drink every day. He would chat with the baristas, and then he would walk out. And he really caught my attention because, well, in real life, he just stood out. He was covered from neck, I'm assuming, all the way down. Whatever you could see was covered in tattoos. Um, And he spoke very softly in a kind of a harsh, forced whisper. And this stood out in my mind because um, at at, at a young age in my life, my grandmother Uh, developed an illness that caused her vocal cords to harden. And for most of my life, I only remember her speaking in a very harsh whisper. And so it connected with me. And one day as he was walking out, he made the mistake of making eye contact with me. And I said hi and asked him if he would sit down for a minute. I wanted to talk to him, which is really weird for me. I really don't do that kind of thing in, in coffee shops. But it worked out this time. Um, he had noticed me. He noticed I had spent a lot of time there, and uh, he came over and pulled up a chair, and we chatted a bit about this coffee shop, about Kansas City, and about tattoos. He told me that he had a studio next door, uh, which is why he always came in at the same time every day. And he told me I should come by and, and get some work done sometime. And I asked him about his condition with his voice, and he explained that he had these benign tumors that would grow on his larynx, on his vocal cords, and about every three months he would have to go in for surgery to have these removed, and it wasn't um, anything that was going to kill him, it was just an inconvenience, and it caused him to, um, to whisper, and that's how he got his name. His name is Whispering Danny, and he is the owner of Whispering Danny's tattoo studio in Kansas City. Uh, I told him about my grandmother. I'm sure he didn't really care, but he was kind and gracious about me telling him. Um, but then he said he had an appointment to go uh, do some work on somebody, and so he had to go. He got up. Um, he invited me once again to come get some work done, and uh, and then he left. And we continued to see each other. We'd say hi. We'd you know, talk and chat about family and stuff just whenever. But um, it wasn't until years later, after we had moved back to Asia, that there was a oh, I don't know what you would call it. There was a series of, of films that were used for evangelism, for whatever, called I Am Second. Some of you people from America may know of this. Some of the famous sports stars were a part of it that would tell their, their story about how they encountered God, and the idea being that God is first and I am second. No matter how big my life gets, I'm still second. Well, I was, I was perusing these because I'd heard a lot about them, and um, and I came across one titled, Whispering Danny. And I thought, hey, I know that guy. That's really cool. And so I watched his video. And it, he, he told his full story about how he came to know Christ. He said, um, as a child, he had this, this problem with his larynx. And his, his mother and him immigrated from Russia so that he could have better medical care. And once they got into, into America, he kind of fell in with some kids on the street. Um, and there were some of the older, older adults that lived in the neighborhood were, were tattoo artists. And he was really fascinated by their tattoos. And, and it, it wasn't long before he realized that he wanted to get some tattoos. And the next thing you know, he wanted to, to become an artist. And it led him down a path into, um, into not just artistry, but also into a, a, a bit of, of debauchery in his life. He became an alcoholic, he said. He said it wasn't as a result of the tattoos or all of that, but just the people he came into relationship with. And he had one good friend, um, I just lost his name, hang on. Well, he had one good friend that was his, what he called his drinking buddy. And they would go out drinking together all the time. And one day, Shane, his buddy Shane, pulled up on a motorcycle. And it was just the coolest thing, you know, the, the newest motorcycle on the street, everybody was checking it out, and they went up on the front porch, and they started drinking. And then Shane got up to leave, and he said, he watched Shane as he tried to get on the motorcycle, he knocked it over, and he picked it back up and tried to get on it again, and, and, and Danny knew that it wasn't a good idea, and he begged him, he said, he begged Shane, do not get on this motorcycle, do not, please, but Shane was not going to hear it. And he fired it up, and he tore off down the street. Well, Shane didn't make it very far before he had an accident. No helmet, hit his head pretty bad, ended up in the hospital. And Danny was actually the one that felt moved to get up in the middle of the night and go driving to see if he could find Shane, and he found him in the street, and he went to the hospital with him, and he stayed there with him. And Shane was in in surgery for, for a long time. And they finally came out and they said, look, he's alive, but he won't be for long. And they started talking to the mother about um, donating organs to people who need transplants. And the mother said, just give me one more day to say goodbye to my boy Shane. So Danny was just sitting there. He's a He's an he's a ethnic Jew from Russia. His grandparents had been through the Holocaust. He had all of this, this um, immigration and, and just all of the stuff in his life that was just circling through his head. He, he had this guilt of letting, letting Shane get on the motorcycle. He just sat there in this, in this hospital waiting room just with all this stuff going on in his head. And uh, he said, suddenly... The door opened in the, in the waiting room and a, and a man came in. And in a very loud voice, he announced, Okay, everybody, gather round. We are going to have a prayer circle for Shane. And so some of the people got up and they gathered around, and this man started praying. And, uh, and he prayed, God, Shane is in a bad situation, not just because of this accident with all the decisions he's made in his life. Shane needs you more than anything right now, God, and we are calling on you to heal him miraculously, and we are calling on you to do it by tomorrow morning. Danny was just sitting over in the corner. He didn't know what to think or what to do, but when that guy said amen, Danny said, I said amen because it seemed like the right thing to do He goes, I went home that night and he said I had heard of the word salvation. I didn't know anything about it, so I Googled it. So he googled the word salvation. A page came up that he searched. He read all about it. And at the end was this prayer. And he said, I wasn't just going to do anything I find on the internet. I found that's not a good thing to do. So I read through it, I did some more research. And I just thought, you know, I'm not ready for that yet. Went back to the hospital that night, sat there for, you know, went in the middle of the night, just sat with his friend. And when he got to the hospital, Everybody was running everywhere. Doctors, nurses, everything was going crazy. Because you see, Danny had woken up, or not Danny, uh, Shane had woken up. Shane had begun to speak and move. The doctors didn't know what the deal was. Danny was thinking they must have had the wrong CAT scan or the wrong MRI, something crazy is going on. And then the doctor used the word miracle. And Danny didn't know what to do with all that. But he remembered that prayer that he read on the internet He decided that it seemed like the right thing to do to pray that prayer. And he says something that really fascinates me. It's been stuck in my head for a very long time. Um, It's not stuck in my head right now, apparently. Let me get it here. Um, Here it's coming. Got it. Sorry. I wrote a lot of stuff here. Hang on. I think I can get it out of my head. He said, I sat there contemplating this prayer and contemplating how God works in the world. And he said, I could not deny what revealed itself to be true in my life. I could not deny what has revealed itself to be true in my life. He said, at that moment, I gave my life to God. He said, all of the, the alcoholism, all of the the desires, all of the stuff, the guilt about um, becoming a Christian even though his family is Jewish and all this stuff that was just kind of keeping him from that step forward just went away. And he felt fully at peace in the presence of Christ. Not only had God revealed Himself to be true to Danny that night, but what John is talking about here is what God has revealed to us to be true as well. That not only does, um, does the, the baptism and the, and the Holy Spirit's gift to us, not only through the atoning sacrifice of Christ, but the, but the Spirit, the blood, and the water all testify together the truth that God has given us eternal life. He's given us this, this wonderful gift, and what John is talking about, it not only has God revealed Himself to be true, but not only has He done so through the baptism of the Spirit, not only through the blood of sacrifice on the cross, He continues to reveal Himself to us. Through the love we show one another, through the miracles we see around us, through this bread and this wine that we are about to partake together, all of that reveals this wonderful, wonderful truth. Now, this part is something that I just had banging around in my head for a while, okay? And I just wanted to get it out there. And I don't know where it's going, to be honest with you. It's something I'm still working on. But I'm fascinated by these three, I don't know if you can call them elements, these three um, testifiers, that you have water, water being something like tangible that's all around us. You have rivers that run through the city here. You have seas that swell. You have rain that falls out of the sky. And, and frankly, we can't live very long without water. And so for that water, that, that thing that's so precious to us and yet so bountiful around us is testifying to the, to the, the salvation movement of Jesus Christ it's pretty amazing. But then you also you have this blood, something that hopefully we don't see all around us, okay? It's, it's still very much a part of it. You feel it coursing through your veins. Maybe you see a little bit on a skin knee of a child or a kitchen accident or something like that. But, but this very vital fluid that's inside of us is also testifying to this salvation movement of, of God and Jesus. And then you have this third actor, this, this, the, the mystical one, the, the spirit that we don't see, that we, that we don't always understand how it works or when it comes or where it goes. And yet it too is testifying to this beautiful salvation uh, gift of eternal life that God gives to us. These three very different and yet vitally important elements are all giving forth this testimony and the spirit being as vital to our spiritual life as water is to our physical life as blood is to keeping us alive these three beautiful elements that are are, are singing forth this testimony and telling us that there is no life except through Jesus The distinction that John makes in this passage, the distinction of Christ coming through the water and the blood, it serves as a reminder that our faith is not a one-time event, but it's a continual journey of triumph over the world. It is through our faith in Jesus as the Son of God, as we have overcome and continue to overcome the challenges, the temptations, and falsehoods that surround us. It is that faith, that gives us the love that we need to love our brothers and sisters. It gives us the mercy that we need to forgive those who have wronged us. It gives us the grace to show others the path into this life with Christ in a healthy way. It gives us, as John concludes, life in the sun. He writes, and this is what God has testified He has given us eternal life, and in this life, and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have God's Son does not have life. One final thought here. That life, the life in the Son, it really begins here in this world, in this city, in this church. It's not some afterlife thing that's dangling out there. I know sometimes we like to think of that eternal life as after I die I'm going to be with Christ forever. And yes, 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 but we should not wait until then to experience this life in the Son. I have a sense from what Jesus taught during His ministry. I have a sense from what John wrote in this letter. I have a sense that the eternal life that we receive by knowing God's Son by expect by accepting this life that He has revealed it, that has revealed itself to be true in us. It began when you believe that testimony of the water and the blood and the spirit. It begins when we accept what God testifies as truth, that life in the Son, Jesus, it should be showing itself already today in your life. It should be impacting those around you, drawing people into this life with Christ. Please pray with me. Father God, we thank you for sending your son, for giving us this gift. We thank you that he was willing to give up his life as an atoning sacrifice, that he was willing to usher us into a life uh, in the spirit, that he was willing to do all that, that we may know you more, that we may be reconciled with you, that we may know a life without death, without sin. Help us in our doubts. Help us in our questions. Help us trust the witness of these three, that we may know you and know your son in a radically life-transforming way today. In your name we pray, amen. This podcast was from Tbilisi International Christian Fellowship. Learn more about us online at ticf-georgia.org. Thanks for listening.